0: hello and welcome to the rhythm changes podcast i'm your host will chernoff and this episode is sponsored by 12th street sound that's the studio of anthony Senrini, who's a good friend of mine and also based here in my home city of new westminster He's got a studio that's about a 10 minute walk from my house that I've really enjoyed going to to craft my own story as an artist. You should definitely work with him too to get going on your new music projects this year. We're halfway through this year so there's a good chance you're already getting into something. So if you need to record some new tracks in a studio that sounds great with an engineer who's got great ears, if you need to get your music mixed, if you need to work on a demo and produce it all the way from that stage to the end product. Anthony's your guy. You can also shoot videos session style in his studio at Twelve Street Sound. All the services are of great value and I highly recommend you work with him to get your music done this year. So go to 12thstreet.ca that's 12thst.ca slash booking to inquire with Anthony today. 12 streetca slash booking. Tell Anthony that the RCP sent you. Also, This was not planned when my guest and I recorded our episode here. But since we made this episode, we have decided that this year we're going to make a new podcast together. So that's a whole new show in a whole new feed and that it's going to be called jazz office hours i can't tell you too much more about that because we're still working on it but this show is going to involve your participation as a jazz fan a learner or a participant in the canadian jazz community it's going to be a show where you can learn from mistakes that we've already made you can learn about challenges ahead of time and we want to make a show that's accessible to non-professionals anybody who participates in the jazz community so you can see how it works no softballs no bs and not just vancouver So. are we're We're working on this at jazzofficehours.com, or you can search for Jazz Office Hours and find the feed with just the trailer that I've made right now. So once again, if you want to check out this new podcast that we're working on, visit jazzofficehours.com. There's always been
1: skin in the game for me. The point is, is that I do care and I do try. And sometimes I miss the mark. Have I been perfect? Not even close, but I'm more open now than I was back then, without question.
0: Happy Wednesday and coming to you from New Westminster, BC, it's the Rhythm Changes podcast, the only weekly interview podcast about jazz and creative music in Canada. On this show, I bring you my favorite kind of conversations from the working world of music, where we get to hang with an artist and figure out what they're all about. Today, I have somebody who probably doesn't need any introduction in the Vancouver jazz scene. It's definitely an honor to have him on the show, but this being the show, I'll give you an intro for him anyway. That's up next. Our guest today is a saxophonist, the founder of Seller Music Group, and the president of the Fraser McPherson Jazz Fund. His most recent album as a leader is Just Coolin, released this past winter, featuring himself on tenor saxophone, Tilden Webb on piano, John Lee on bass, and Jesse Cahill on drums. You can find him on social media under his own name. Find the Seller Music Group at sellerlive.com, that's seller with a C and visit frasermcphersonjazzfund.ca through the link that I'll include in the show notes to learn more about the fund. So please welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast, Corey Weeds. Hey Will, great to be here. It's an honor to have you on the show. If you don't mind, I'd love to start with the Fraser McPherson Jazz Fund because I've been to a couple of things. There are different sorts of things since you became president of the organization to fundraise. Like you had an event featuring a bunch of students at Frankie's. You have this thing called the Vancouver Jazz Orchestra with James Danderfer, where you Solicited some donations for the fund. In addition to providing a great new big band for the community, and your album Just Coolin' was a fundraiser. How did you come to be the president of the Fraser McPherson Jazz Fund?
1: You know, I've kind of been involved with the Fraser McPherson Jazz Fund on and off for the last, you know, ten years. I was actually on the board, but I was a non-contributing member. If that makes any sense, like I didn't go to any of the meetings. Essentially, what happened is I had a benefactor who is a dear friend of mine who's no longer with us. Who like to contribute to all kinds of things, jazz, and so I ended up getting the Fraser McPherson Jazz Fund a, a relatively significant donation, and that ended up with me being on the board. And but at that time, I just I, I wasn't really interested in it. I had too much going on, and I, I just I didn't want to be on a board. I just wanted to get them some money to do what they could do, and you know that was the end of that. So James Danderfer, who's been a friend of mine for many years, approached me about becoming the president. And I was a little bit reluctant for, you know, obvious reasons. Maybe the most obvious being is that I don't have a whole lot of room for more stuff. Um, (laughs) but it, you know, it intrigued me for a couple of reasons. One, of course, I, I love the the mandate of the, the fund for sure. They have a charitable tax license, which is rare. And I didn't think that they should let that go. And I know a lot of people who have money who would consider giving to this cause. I would be lying if I said I didn't want to work some of the things into my own thing, but they were all, you know, working together to achieve the same thing. Like nothing I do is singular. So it's not the label and I book the club and I do shad bolts. None of those are singular things. They all are in this big pot of mine and the Fraser McPherson Jasmine was going to be no different and has been no different. So, okay, look, we've got so-and-so coming. Maybe they can do a clinic that's paid for by the fund. Oh, we have all these people coming for Jazz Walk. Maybe we can do, you know, this, that. So that was sort of the thinking, and we needed money. And how are we going to get money? And so the first big project that we undertook was I was playing at the club with Tilden Webb, John Lee and Jesse Cahill, and one of my longtime benefactors and dear friends Yvonne Detroit, was there, and she said, I want to record. You guys should record. I'd be happy to contribute and have you record the band. And it was a weird time because I just was coming out with Day by Day. I had my strings record in the can, and that was coming out. I'm like, man, the world does not need another Corey Weeds record. It really doesn't. <laughs> or so I thought. So I was like, the same time, it was in the middle of the pandemic. I didn't want to say no to money. More so uh, for my musicians, like if I can pay musicians to make a record and pay an engineer and, you know, I don't want to take that money away from them. So I felt like I was gifted this opportunity. I have to take advantage of it. So I went to the jazz fund and said, look, I would like this person to donate the money to the fund and we will donate 100% of the proceeds of the sale of that recording to the jazz fund. And, And said, yes, as long as, you know, we're not getting into the CD business or the record label business, I think we're cool. So we did it. And what I can tell you is I don't have a number, but I will have a number very soon because for some strange reason, other than the fact that I'm proud of the record and I think it's very good, it's completely blown up on streaming services to the point where we're going to see some significant revenue for the fund. And I'm laughing because, you know, of course, my most successful record on streaming, 100% of the money is going to the fund and not to me. But <laughs> hey, it's all for charity. So it's a good thing. So... So that's kind of how it started. We And then we got into that, and we have another project that's made up of all Fraser McPherson's original compositions that have been recorded all over the world. Scott Hamilton did one in Italy. Uh, Jocelyn Gould did one in, Montreal, uh, in Winnipeg. Uh, Virginia McDonald did something in Toronto. Grant Stewart did something in New York. A bunch were done here. So we have that coming out as well, and that's also going to serve as a fundraiser to... Fun And that was donated by uh, the Peregrine Foundation, which is run by a really good friend of mine. So, you know, people, I have been very lucky that people have just given me money personally to say, Corey, we love what you do and we want you to keep doing it. Here's the money. We don't need a tax receipt or we don't need recognition. But there is a lot of people that like a tax receipt is a big benefit for them. Um, and so this, is a, this gives us an opportunity to be able to do that while creating something really exciting for the fund and hopefully it draws awareness. There are two things. There's fundraising, but there's also awareness. The fundraisers at Frankie's that you referenced, I mean, those are not huge money makers. Having said that, I was at Frankie's one night and Joannie the waitress came over to me and said, oh, there's a group of kids at that table that really want to talk to you. And I was like, well, just tell them to come and talk to me. And they were like, they're scared. I'm like, scared of what? You know? And they said, well, you're like, you're a guy. Like, you're the guy. I'm like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? I'm the like, (laughs) Oliver Gannon is the guy. And it dawned on me right in that moment. I'm like, I've crossed over into that realm of people. And I say this carefully, but, you know, people looking up to me and going, hey, like I could be that, or I want to do that, or Corey can help me, or, and it was very, I, I've spent, I'm so insecure about my own stuff and worried so much about revering my, my heroes, like the Oliver Gannons and, and the, the Bill Coons and the, even people a little bit older than me, like Steve Callistat or, or like people that I respect, the age doesn't matter, but people that are, it never occurred to me that there'd be a, a faction of young people looking up to me. And that started a real change for me where it's like, wait a minute you're in this position now where you really have an opportunity to give back and to offer some kind of mentorship that quite frankly, I didn't have when I was growing up because the access is different. Right. And so I've been doing this thing now. I'm I'm starting to get some calls. I think word is starting to spread, but I'm starting to get some calls like, Hey Corey, you know, it's so-and-so, you know, could I take you out for lunch? I just want to pick your brain. I'm like, no, no, no. You don't need to take me for lunch. Buy me a coffee. We'll meet at Deer Lake. We'll go around here like it takes an hour and a half to go around twice. I'll give you my time. You just got to buy me a $3 coffee. And I can't tell you, Will, how much I've enjoyed talking to these young musicians. And so, and fast forward into the Fraser McPherson Fund, it's really given me a different outlet to offer some kind of mentorship. You know, I don't teach saxophone but I really feel confident about my abilities as a business person. I've done everything in this business and I'm still making mistakes and still learning, but I really love talking to young musicians and answering their questions about what they should do. And what do you think of this, Corey? And what do you think of that? I I really get a kick out of that. And it makes me feel very good that young musicians are reaching out to me and taking advantage of it. Cause like I said, I didn't have it the same way they have it now. So it's been, it's been really neat. And the Fraser McPherson has allowed me to further that along a little bit.
0: Wonderful, yeah, that's all great to hear. And I would encourage anybody to follow the fund on social media or go to the website to check out for upcoming announcements about what the fund might be doing as we head into this fall. Can I tell you about the first time I ever went to the cellar? Sure, was I nice? Well, I was very young, so I was definitely, uh, I was scared of pretty much anybody who was an adult at the time, maybe, but it was August 20th, 2010. You were releasing your album called The Many Deeds of Corey Weeds. The album has Joey DeFrancesco on the organ, Chris Davis on trumpet, Byron Landem on drums. The release concert had Chris on trumpet, Chris Gestrin on organ, Jesse Cahill on drums. And I was brought there by the Douglas College Summer Jazz Intensive with Bob Revliati. And this was the first time that I ever heard you. This was the first time I went to the cellar and my dad and I took the deal where if we picked up a copy of the vinyl record, there was no cover charge. (laughs) Wow, wow. I didn't even know I did that, that's
1: hilarious. Wow, that's funny. yeah.
0: Twenty bucks for the vinyl record, no cover, cover waived. Good move.
1: <laughs> that was a special. Uh, that was. A sp- I mean, the release was special, but the recording was obviously very special. Um, yeah. yeah wow.
0: So I wasn't really here then. Like I was still a high school student, and I was just coming up, right? But you've got different eras. So this is like, if you just zoom out and look back at where you were at in that kind of time period early 2010s 2010 this is like Facebook is kind of just getting off and I'm not sure where you were at personally so what's it been like for you if you just look at now versus then in broad strokes
1: you know it's funny I've been thinking a lot about that's why I said was I nice to you um, <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about exactly the questions sort of you're asking and and you know I've always been super driven that's never changed but I think in the earlier days I had to be more narrow focused. I'm a sensitive guy, and that may not come out in my everyday dealings with people, but there was an exterior that I think I had to have and that I had to present just to protect myself. The problem with that is I think that I probably unintentionally cut some people out and kept people outside of my circle. Having said that, I was also running a for-profit business that... 100% depended on having people in the seats. And it's much different now because, and I use this analogy all the time, there are so many great musicians in this city that I could never hire at the cellar because they wouldn't draw. It doesn't mean that I don't like them or that they're not good, but for some strange reason, I couldn't make them draw. What's happened over the pandemic is because there's been such a hunger for music and Frankie's was able to stay open... It allowed me to expand my scope. And I don't mind using names. I think of people like Dave Say, who I respect a ton as a person. I respect him even more as a musician. But Dave was never part of the regular rotation at the cellar. And it wasn't because he wasn't good. I just couldn't make the draw thing happen for him there. Now he plays at Frankie's on a Thursday night. There's 65 people in there. And I'm really proud of that. And it's a, I think it's a testament to a lot of things. First of all, it's a testament to the scene opening up and people's minds sort of opening up, but I'm not one to compliment myself, but it's also about me opening up and realizing that you have to open up your circle a little bit more and you have to start letting more people into that circle and start developing audiences for those people because not everybody is like out there like me asking for gigs. Not everybody's a a hustler, so to speak. And so I've really over the last three, four, even five years have been like, we need to expand. We need to get some younger people in there. We need to get some different music in there. We need to get some other veterans of the scene in there. And we need to really try hard to build that. So I think that's the difference between now and then. Now I've been afforded the flexibility, if you will. Back then, I had to keep the lights on. I had to pay my mortgage. I had to like buy food for my family. And so I was very focused straight ahead. I didn't like, no, I can't do that because I can't take that risk. And it feels much better now to be a little bit more open-minded. And, and you know, I still get criticized. I, you know, I get criticized. I get a big kick out of, you know, you've seen the online fun feud between Tim and I. You know, a lot of people are thanking Tim, like, thanks, Tim, for doing this. Like, it's so great. Like, Corey would never do this. People don't realize, and I don't care about getting credit. That was my idea. I went to Tim, and then I went to Frankie's. I'm not saying that because I I feel like I need it, but it's just, I'm open and I understand, but I also have a business to run. And and, And even though it's not my business, my job depends on it. If I start doing different stuff and it doesn't do well, guess who loses his job? It's me. There's always been skin in the game for me, but I'm more open now than I was back then, without question. Have I been perfect? Not even close. But the the point is, is that I do care and I do try. And sometimes I miss the mark. You know, I'm human.
0: I will give you a real answer, though. You ask whether you were nice to me. The answer is we didn't really interact because, I mean, (laughs) you... (laughs) I was going to be like, the answer is no, no, (laughs) no. I think this is probably why, even though I've been around this scene for 10-ish years or so as I've grown up, that I feel like I haven't quite gotten to know you yet until now. It's because when I was younger, I was a bit hot-headed and I was doing things without asking for permission. I am an introvert who likes to spend time by myself, but I need to behave a certain way because there's things I want to try and there's things I want to do and I need to put myself out there and try and do them and I didn't know how to engage with people and so I kind of kept to myself I kind of kept with my own people and that's kind of how that went
1: yeah I mean I I I hear you I think that you know I mean obviously we go on at length about this but social media is really not a great place to engage about anything really about anything other than saying here's my gig You know, that's why I love your podcast and your post, your blog and stuff. It's like, you know, and as you know, I've responded, you know, sometimes the stuff you've written gets me fired up. I'm like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to email Will and say, I think you're wrong about that. We should talk about this. And when you do it in that way, it's healthier than, you know, posting something on Facebook and then running away. I wish more, I almost said young people. I wish more people would say... Hey, and let's take let's let's take like not a hot button issue. Like clubs are not paying enough. Okay, yeah, that's an issue. Why don't we call Corey and see if we can all meet down at Frankie's and let's get some ten people together and let's have an open dialogue about this, about how we can change it and what we can do and what's Corey's opinion. And but that never happens. It's a Facebook thing. It starts off as a fight, and as soon as you impart any kind of wisdom. The the post shuts down because I don't think that those people want wisdom. They want the fight. I can't do it. I've tried to engage and I can't. So if you can get people together and have like a, a, a good conversation about something, I really think that's missing today. That needs to be as each year goes on, we get more and more uh, to each his own. What's the word I'm looking for? Isolated. We're all just fighting. Screw everybody else. I just got to go for me instead of saying, you know what? Let's get a whole bunch of people in a room, but let's not do it on social media. Let's get in a room. Let's have a drink. Let's fight it out and shake hands after and see if we can move forward. That's really important to me. You know, as far as spearheading that, I just, I don't have time and I don't have the energy. You
0: know, here's a perfect example of one of those that I am dying to see the complaint. Streaming doesn't pay. Streaming is bad for artists. Now, the solution in person, how can we get together and organize to figure out what to do about this reality? Because as you and I both know, it is a reality. Some of your recordings have probably become some of the most listened to, some of the Seller Music releases, most listened to Vancouver jazz records of all time because of streaming. That doesn't appear to be slowing down. There's something good happening there. There's also bad things about it for musicians and for artists, but how can we organize ourselves to deal with the way it is?
1: Yeah, that's a big one. It's not going away. I don't condone the business practices of any of those streaming companies. So I want that to be said right off the bat. However, I'm not gonna complain about it. I'm gonna try to embrace it and use it to my advantage. Now, the other thing that needs to be said is that I have a record label that has over 300 titles on it. So I have a bit more of a machine than some independent artist just putting out one record. But I do have the opinion that if people spend as much time trying to advance their career and trying to embrace the streaming thing as they do complaining about it, they would probably start to see some benefits. And one of the issues I'm seeing is that people have basically given up on physical media. And I think that's a big mistake for a couple of reasons. It's not dead, especially in jazz music.
0: Hold on. So you mean the artists have given up on producing it, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot
1: of artists are like,
0: ah, physical media,
1: I'm just going to do it streaming. Well, there, there are a few problems. First of all, You're going to get a publicist for your music. The first thing they're going to ask for is physical CDs. You're going to do a radio campaign. The first thing they're going to ask for is physical CDs. And then depending on the kind of music you play, you have to look at your demographic. Now, if you look at my demographic, my demographic is 40 plus. They're still buying CDs. You've completely said, I don't care about that demographic at all. It's a problem. It's still all working in in tandem. And as soon as you try to separate it out, you're doing your music a very big disservice. That's my attitude.
0: Yeah, well said. I mean, one of my first successful articles at Rhythm Changes was called Maria Schneider's Whales. And the whale is like a big customer, like the person who spends more money than like 99% of the other customers. And like you said, if you don't produce physical media, if you don't do fancy things for fancy people, you don't give your best fans the opportunity to give you more money. Streaming yep. flattens it all out so everybody can only give you a little bit of money and nothing more. And one thing that makes an artist like Maria Schneider who goes off the board and does more traditional things in some ways, but more direct things with physical media and special experiences is that you activate your best fans.
1: Absolutely. That's a perfect way of putting it. You, re- you Exactly. Yep, exactly. You know, so like I said, I feel like I've cracked the code a little bit, Um, but there's always like, you know, let me give you an example. So my strings record, which I'm very proud of, it sounds amazing. It got a whole page in downbeat, not one reorder from my distributor, not one. Steve Caldestad puts out a record live at Frankie's. I was there. (laughs) Very small radio. They've already reordered twice. Now you can say, Steve's a better saxophone player than me, but that, I don't think that's what it's about. It's so odd to me that that kind of stuff, ha- like literally will no press. My record got incredible press and not, not another reorder. So that's the problem is that that's why there's, that's why there's no uh, jazz business for dummies. Some, it's hit somewhere on streaming that are making people aware of the record that are selling the physical copies. Now, yeah. the problem, there's no way to ever know that because there's no uh, analytics around how you sell your stuff. So that's why you have to remain open and try everything. And, but I, I personally I don't think, I'm not going to stream my records on Spotify. I'll show them. What does that do? You just, Yeah. yeah what does it do? Oh, here's another example. Just Cooling. Just Cooling comes out. No press. Very small radio. I get an email every day, Will, from somebody about that record. Every single day,
0: and it was recorded For in a Instagram house.
1: Instagram post. It was recorded at the top floor of a house. Not that that's bad. It's just different sounding than a like a, a real studio record. Every single day, I'm like, what? Like, what is the, why? Like, and where <laughs> and how? Like, it's just. I find it so fascinating. Yeah, You know, I, I, my digital distributor, they deal with people way more famous than me. And they said, we've never had a record hit like this. It's every playlist that's possible to get on. It's on. It, it I think it's still number one on Coffee Table Jazz. And it's We Three, which is not even the strongest track on the record. No. But that's the one they like. And that's the one that plays. I'm like, oh, my God, this is insane. <laughs> so it, it's fun. And I can be fun about it because... I'm not just one guy, like, putting all this money into one record, hoping that, you know, it's just, I just throw stuff out there, and it's like, okay, great, it did well, it didn't do well, like, you know, whatever. But I find the whole thing very fascinating. Very fascinating.
0: Yeah. My favorite track on Just Cool and Vendetta, but of course I'm biased because that's a Rhythm Changes tune.
1: <laughs> oh, right, of
0: course, of course, yeah, of course. Did, did you
1: watch my uh, live stream from the festival last year where I folded on that after Tim burned me? I did not. <laughs> yeah, I fell apart. I fell apart. And Tim Tim burned me the best I've ever been burned. And I came out, we started with that tune. And I had to stop the band and start again. I was like, oh my God, it was, it was awesome.
0: Yeah. So this has been so, so, so much fun. I've already written in my draft post that this is Corey Weeds joining us for the first time, because I have no doubt that we're going to do this again at some point when there's more stuff to talk about. But...
1: Okay. Yeah. I'm totally down with it. And I, I just, I love too, that you're doing the gig list now and that, you know, and, and, and we got, yeah, we just, it's, it's cool. I like what's happening in the non-musician community, like with the media and getting some stuff together. And I, I think it's, I think it's really, I think it's really cool. I think we can use that to kind of like, you know, take off into some other really cool, impactful and meaningful things. So,
0: yeah. I've got one more fun question that puts you a little bit on the spot if you want, and then we can wrap if you're down. Yep. What's something that you want to do before you're 50?
1: Ooh, something I want to do before I'm 50. Wow. I'd like to come up with some, with a sexy answer. Uh, (laughs) I've been very lucky and I've, I've been very, very lucky. I've been afforded a lot of opportunities to do everything I wanted to do, own clubs and own record labels and, I got nothing, man.
0: Well, I'll I'll give you one. I'll also just shout out because I haven't mentioned this uh, yet. Is that of course Corey hosts a radio show called Condition Blue on B Side Radio. He's hosting it locally in Vancouver now, Wednesdays at noon. I tune in while I'm working, so I recommend you do that as well. He's always picking great gems from his collection, so that's my plug for Condition Blue. Uh, But one thing that I'm pretty sure you will be doing before you're 50 is you will be reactivating New York with weeds 2023.
1: Yes, I will. I'm very excited about that. Uh, That's a really, really fun trip. I think it's sold out. There might be some room left, but, and this is going to be the 10th year. Of course, it's been delayed two years. That's a fun trip. And I'm looking forward to bringing those people back. Uh And uh, we have a lot of fun. We're going to record some records this year and and we're going to do some cool things. So Yeah. yeah, that'll happen before I'm 50.
0: Honestly, I think the answer that you're saying of what are you talking about? I'm just doing whatever I'm doing anyways. That's probably the best answer. <laughs> that's probably where you want to be. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, yeah, I've been I've been really lucky. You know, I I, I, I got lucky. I struck, you know, like I, I recorded with Joey. That was a big bucket list. I recorded with Jeff Hamilton. That was a big bucket list. I sat in with Christian McBride. That wasn't a bucket list until I knew, until I was doing it. Then I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, this is incredible. You know, I've been very, very, I've been very, very lucky. To do all the things that I've I, I've done. I You know, it won't happen. I'd love, you know, my, my best friend is the saxophone player on The Tonight Show. Ian Hendrickson-Smith. I'd, I'd love to play on The Tonight Show. Just because I love how TV works. And I've been in the audience so many times. And I'm totally fascinated with the way that happens. I'd also love to find a gig where I just DJ'd and play jazz records. That would be really cool nice but yeah i'm I'm lucky <laughs> i'm really lucky that way so
0: yeah well it comes across man and this was such a fun chat uh i look forward to seeing you out there again very very soon it's been an honor to have you on the show thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today cory
1: thank you will and uh, yeah and i appreciate your work too i really I, I really look forward to the the posts and and uh yeah it's cool it's cool when it's cool when something when you ignite something inside me like usually i'm reading it in the morning when i'm walking the dog i'm like i wish i had his phone number i call him right now so, what are you talking about but <laughs> it's all it's, it's all healthy it's it's good It just you know when you when you provoke when you have thought provoking things it's very cool
0: you got it and thanks so much for your support yeah man Once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. If you like what we do here, I invite you to sign up to the free weekly article that I write. It goes out on Tuesday mornings, and this week's article available now is my review of a release from Corey's Seller Music label. The album is called The Artist, and the artist is John Lee. So if you check that out and you enjoy that album, you like what we do there, sign up for future editions of the free weekly article right on our homepage at rhythmchanges.ca.